You're listening to audio from Citizens Church, located in Plano, Texas. For more information about this ministry or to give to this ministry, please visit citizenschurch.com. If you have a Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 1 and find verse 27. Good morning. If you're new here, welcome to Citizens Church. My name's Jamin. I am one of the pastors here. We're thrilled that you chose to worship with us this morning. If you're uh, watching online, maybe you are doing that for the first time or you've been doing that for a long time. Um, but we're glad that you're joining us. Um, so it was around four years ago um, that we became Citizens Church. So the first Sunday of August was kind of our official legal Sunday as our own church. Um, but the first Sunday of September was our commissioning Sunday. So either way, around this time, uh, we hit the four-year mark of being our own church. And so every year uh, around this time, I spend a Sunday, at least one Sunday, uh, talking about us, talking about our church. Um, and that Sunday is today. Um, here's what I know to be true. Uh, this room is probably a pretty good mix of church histories, meaning the history that you have uh, in church. So some of you um, have been in church your entire life and uh, your childhood and your adulthood are filled with experiences in church and memories of church. And that's my story. Uh, I'm a pastor's kid who grew up in the late 80s and early 90s when Christian subculture was really unique, and um, I was into all of it. I had jars of clay and audio adrenaline and DC Talk posters on the wall in my room, anybody? If you have no idea what that is, you're doing just fine. Um, I had a drawer full of Christian t-shirts, a few of which had pretty bad theology represented on them. Uh, Our family was in church at least three times a week, at least. And all of my adult life, I've been involved in church to different degrees. And maybe many of you would say, yeah, that, that's similar to my story, except for the posters. But other, others, um, you've been involved later in life. Maybe it's in your adult life, uh, you became a Christian, or, uh, or, or in your adult life, you entered into a relationship with someone and church really mattered to them, and so it needed to matter to you. And, and it was only later that you got involved. Maybe for others, today might be your very first time in a church ever or it's one of your first times to ever be in church. And if that's you, genuinely, we are so grateful that that you're here. But even in that uh, mixture of of histories, I think there's a couple of things about church that we could all uh, agree on. Um, It's really sad when a church doesn't look like she should. I think we can agree on that. Um, I don't know, I'll put it this way, I don't know of anything quite as tragic as when the church looks nothing like who Jesus has declared her to be. And I imagine if we talked about each of our histories in church, especially those of you who've been involved in church for most of your life, you could probably point to these sad moments in church or frustrating moments in church or sinful things that you've experienced in church, maybe even things that you've contributed to in church. And so it's things like uh, church splits over things that should not divide the body of Christ, church scandals, that should not be named among the people of Christ, or even, and this one's more subtle, even just a lifelessness to church that shouldn't be present among those who've been made alive in Christ. There are people in the room, uh, some of of whose stories I know and I treasure these relationships, but uh, part of their story is they were so egregiously sinned against in church and wounded by leaders in church that at one point in their life, they thought they'd never step foot in church again. 
And, and it's only after a lot of healing and a lot of trusting Jesus do they make their way back. And it just shouldn't be that way. Those kinds of stories shouldn't exist. But what can happen is the place that's called to represent Christ, his love, his grace, his truth, it can be so marred by sin and pride that it makes it hard to see Christ there. And I'm not talking about the things we experience in church simply because every church is filled with sinful people. We need to seek forgiveness and extend grace. That's true for every single church. I'm talking about when a church has so abandoned who she is that it's unrecognizable. Like, uh, it's unrecognizable who Jesus has declared her to be and wants to make her. And there's nothing quite as tragic as that. On the other side, there is nothing quite as beautiful as a church faithfully living into who Jesus has declared her to be. Uh, When church is imperfectly but faithfully who she is supposed to be, it's beautiful. And I pray that many in the room have those stories. And you'd describe it as a, a time when church has been a comfort to you in suffering or times when the church has graciously corrected you in sin, or maybe even pursued you as you tried to bail on God, or times when your soul has been stirred to worship and greater affection for Jesus, times when church has helped you grow in your love for the lost, or maybe just a time when you've been part of a place that you're really proud to call your church home. (laughs) I'm experiencing that right now here. I am proud to call Citizens Church home. And just to be clear, I feel like I have very little to do with that. Like, uh, what comes to mind when I say that, like what, what's been a huge gift to me in this season that, I, that is, is pronounced to me right now, is how much my family loves our church. The biggest family fights we got in over sabbatical, I was on sabbatical all summer, the biggest family fights we got in over sabbatical was on Saturday nights when we'd talk about going to another church, and our kids would beg if we could please just go back to Citizens Church because they love our church. When we finally did come back, uh, we pulled into the parking lot and our daughters jumped out of the car and ran and hugged the side of the building because they were so <laughs> happy to be back. And, and I did too, I joined them. I just wrapped my arms around them. Last Sunday was our first Sunday back and after church I asked Carrie, my wife, how was it being back? And she said, I just loved it. It's home. I loved being in the room. I loved the worship. I loved the people. She didn't say anything about the sermon, but that's okay. (laughs) She loved it. We love it here. And and hear me, it (laughs) it is a sweet privilege to pastor a church that my family loves being a part of. And this shouldn't be the case, but you know that's just not the experience of all pastors. And it's an indicator, not of the kind of thing that I'm doing at home. It's an indicator of the kind of thing that God's doing here and the kind of heart that you have. Charles Spurgeon famously says about the church, he calls the church the dearest place on earth. And when I think of citizens, I just couldn't agree more. We're far from perfect. I am far from the pastor I want to be. I'm not trying to hold us out of some sort of standard of what the church should really be. We have our flaws. We're sinners in need of grace. We're imperfectly trusting the Lord together. But the Lord has, it, it would be an offense to God to not say out loud, the Lord has been so kind and faithful to us. And he is at work here. And as for me, I'm proud to call this place home. And I'm so grateful for what the Lord is doing. So if I ask the room, regardless of your history in church, If I ask the room, do you want to be a part of a church that looks nothing like who she's supposed to be? (laughs) Or do you want to be part of a church faithfully living up to who Jesus has declared her to be? I just think that we all want the latter. Something in us would know to say, I pick the second option. We want to be part of something that's good and true and and beautiful as a church. Here's what we need to know. Um, We all play a role in that. 
We all play a role in making a place that way and, and contributing to that kind of ecclesiological vision for a place. And for those of you who call citizens home or are considering calling citizens home, I just want to spend the rest of our time this morning articulating what that means here. Like what has Jesus declared to be true about us that we're trying to faithfully live into, that we're trying to faithfully represent? And answering that means repeating things that most of you have already heard me say over these last four years. But here's the big idea this morning. The church is a colony of heaven. The church is a colony of the kingdom of God. And the dream here at Citizens, for as long as God gives us together, is to faithfully live into that identity as citizens of the kingdom and as a colony of heaven. Philippians 1.27 uh, I'm reading from the CSB because of the way it translates the verb here. It's really important for us. 127 says this, just one thing, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Uh, the, the phrase in your Bible might say, uh, uh, you know, live your life in a w manner worthy of the gospel or something like that. There's a verb in there that the CSB translates citizens of heaven. It's the same verb that's used in chapter three, verse 20, where it says, as citizens of heaven. Whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you that you're standing firm in one spirit in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel. Our church started, this congregation started as a campus of the Village Church in September of 2014. Was anybody here for that? Wow, praise God. And you're still here, praise God. Uh, we were called the Village Church Plano. That was our church's name. Uh, and the village had already decided when we started that campuses would become their own churches. That was always the goal, that our congregation at the campus knew we would eventually become an autonomous church. And that became a reality in the fall of 2019. Uh, leading up to becoming our own church, we needed to pick a new name for our church. And here's what happened. We liked the name, the Village Church Plano. And so we asked the village, can we just keep the name, the Village Church Plano? And they were like, no, we need some space. And we need to cut the course. So after lots of uh, conversation and prayer um, and thought, we landed on Citizens Church. There are a lot of things we could have named our church. There are a lot of names that are more common church names than the ones that we picked. Citizens begs a question that other church names don't, right? So if we had named our church Grace Church or Christ Church or people who really love God Church, you don't have to explain that. That's all pretty self-explanatory. But what we expected and what we have found is that naming our church Citizens Church, it begs an explanation. It's, not, it's just not that familiar as other church names are. And, and here's what's true. We wanted to have to offer the explanation. There are four places, because it's beautiful. The answer is just beautiful, and the vision it casts for church is just so compelling. I wanted, we wanted to be tied into having to explain that for as long as God gives us together. There are four places in the New Testament where Christians are called citizens of heaven or citizens of the kingdom of God. Uh, citizens of heaven, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. It's used interchangeably in the New Testament. One of those places is here in Philippians 1.27. To understand what's being said, we need to understand how the Philippian Christians would have heard this, which means we need a little bit of history on the city of Philippi, which is why all of you came this morning. So just stay with me. We get this description of Philippi in Acts chapter 16, verse 12. Paul's going there. He's on one of his missionary journeys. He calls Philippi 
a leading city of the district of Macedonia in a Roman colony. Philippi was a Roman colony. What does that mean? Great question. Here's what happened. Philippi was a large city in Greece. Octavian, who would later be given the title Augustus, who would be the first Caesar of the Roman Empire, he won a few major battles on the plains of Philippi, right outside the city. And those victories helped Octavian become Caesar of all of Rome. And really they helped him transition Rome from a republic to an empire so that he could become the first of several Caesars. And as a thank you, those battles on the plains of Philippi, right outside the city, as a thank you to the people who fought for him, the veterans of war of those battles, he allowed them to settle in the city of Philippi and he declared Philippi a Roman colony in 39 BC. Here's what it meant to be a Roman colony. Not all cities in the empire were considered colonies. There was a Roman law in Latin, it's Ius Italicum. There is zero chance I pronounced that correctly, even though I practiced in the mirror. That law gave certain cities the legal privilege of their land. Follow me. It gave them the legal privilege of their land, even though it's not Rome, to be treated as Rome. Rome is in Italy. Philippi is in Greece. It's over 800 miles away from one another. But being a Roman colony brought the two together. Being a Roman colony made Philippi Roman soil. And as a Roman colony, it granted the residents of Philippi Roman citizenship. So if you're a resident of Philippi and a Roman citizen, it means you own land, you're exempt from taxes, you can buy and sell property, you're protected by Rome, by the largest empire in the history of the world, and you get this host of other privileges. And in exchange for that, you live in a place that's not Rome as a representative of Rome. You're loyal to Caesar. At the time the letter to the Philippians was written, they were calling Caesar Lord of Lords, the Son of God. So you didn't just offer him your loyalty, but you offered him your worship. And so imagine that. Imagine living in a place like that, living in some sort of a circumstance like that, how much it shaped how people saw their world in Philippi. You would live in that city every single day thinking of Rome. Uh, how much it shaped how they saw themselves. So I am not in Rome, but I live in a colony that makes my city Roman soil, and I'm a citizen of Rome. I live 800 miles away in light of the realities that are happening there. Maybe the best comparison that we would have modern day would be if, if you are an American citizen working for a U.S. embassy on foreign soil. Um, there are almost 180 U.S. embassies in the world, according to a very brief internet search. And they are uh, in a foreign place, governed by the U.S., there for the interests of the U.S. And if you were part of one, if you were employed there, maybe even lived there, even though you're not in the U.S., so much of life there would not be shaped by the land that you're in, but would be shaped by the land that you belong to. Are you with me? Some of you. Paul writes to the church in this Roman colony many of whom would be Roman citizens. The church is likely meeting in the home of a wealthy woman uh, named Lydia. And in her living room in, a, Roman, in a, a colony of Rome, Paul writes, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. He is saying to these people, you know what it's like to be a citizen to Caesar and a colony of Rome but your deeper identity and your higher calling is a citizen of King Jesus in a colony of heaven. What does that mean? 
It's a great question. Here's what happened. Jesus of Nazareth, who is a prophet and a healer and a friend and a son and a brother, Jesus who was kind to the vulnerable and merciful to sinners and completely faithful to God his Father and full of the Spirit. In around 33 AD, he was arrested by the Roman Empire, falsely accused, tragically betrayed, mercilessly beaten, and unjustly crucified. And they buried him in a borrowed tomb outside of Jerusalem. And in that tomb, Jesus won the great battle against Satan and sin and death. And he rose again, vindicating every word that he had said about himself, proving that he is the King of Kings and he is the Lord of Lords. And he ascends to the right hand of the Father in heaven. And there in heaven, he rules and reigns. And now in heaven, he rules and reigns. And as the resurrected King of heaven and earth, he is establishing right now, he is establishing heaven on earth. When the Bible talks about heaven, it's not simply about where Christians go when they die, but it is the space where God dwells without any resistance. It's why Jesus tells us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is everything earth was supposed to be, everything earth should be, and everything earth will one day be when Jesus returns and reunites heaven and earth. Heaven is where there's no violence and no tears and no idolatry and no sin. There's only worship and peace and wholeness and the uninterrupted joy of God's presence. And when Jesus rose and as he reigns, he is establishing that heavenly kingdom now on earth. Well, who gets to be a part of that? Who gets to belong to that? All who have been granted citizenship by the king. And Jesus in his mercy does not give citizenship to those who fought for him. Instead, he fought for those who were fighting against him. And he makes his enemies his friends and he invites sinners to become citizens. And all who trust him, who have turned from sin and self to follow him, we are now residents of earth, but we are heavenly citizens. And we get to enjoy the privileges of grace, for our sin and a brand new name and peace in a terrified world and comfort for our pain and mostly his forever unrelenting love. Notice, it does not say in order to become a citizen of heaven, live your life worthy. It says as citizens of heaven. Philippians 3.20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await our savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 says we're no longer strangers or aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Colossians 1 says we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. It's not something we gain. It's something we've been given. It's not something we become. It's something we've been declared to be. So friends, heaven is our home. The kingdom of God is our home. We are not physically there, but our citizenship is there. Our allegiance is there. Our future is there coming here. And we are invited as God's people to live lives that are not shaped by the land that we're in, but by the one that we belong to. That we would, goodness, that we would dare to believe as Christians, living where we are and when we are, that following King Jesus together as his redeemed people means that we are stepping onto heaven's soil. 
And this part of the world, as we are faithful to him together, would look a bit more like the kingdom of God because God has placed a colony of heaven here and he's invited me and you to be a part of that in Jesus. So in the fall of 2019, we were commissioned by the Village Church as Citizens Church. How many of you were here for that? Okay. In the dream together is that we would live as a church into our identity as citizens, as a colony of heaven. In light of all of that, I just wanna ask two things of you and then we'll be done. Here's the first. Would you pray for our church? Would you pray that God would protect us from becoming anything that's different than this? Here's one thing I've discovered in these four years. As a church in Collin County, it would be really easy to become a different kind of church than the one who looks like a colony of heaven. In Philippi in the first century, there was pressure on the church, part of why the letter is written. There was pressure on the church to look more like Rome than like heaven. There was pressure on the church to look more like Caesar than like Jesus. And in Collin County in 2023, there is pressure around us and even from us, for us to look more like the land we are in than the one that we belong to. The land that we're in is highly political, highly individual, and highly consumer. And you take those three things together, political idolatry, individualism, and consumerism, and you mix that up in a place where it's still somewhat socially expected that you go to church on the weekends, oh, we could so easily become more like the world and less like the church. So what we could easily do is we could just join the chorus of voices trying to turn the church into a platform for partisan politics. And we model our discourse in here after much of the political discourse where we learn together what we should most fear and who we should most hate. And we forget that this isn't a political rally, it's a colony of heaven. We have our king, he won't share his throne. And we're here to learn from him, not what to fear and who to hate, but who to trust and how to love. It would be so easy for us, goodness, to just put on a Sunday show and offer convenient religious services to suburban people who are looking for that kind of thing. In a consumer world that still has a lot of cultural religion in the air, we could just make this as comfortable as possible and then try to build it up as big as possible and just offer this transaction every week where a guy like me acts like the professional. Oh, I, I'm the one who knows how to do the God thing. And we offer some sort of easy to digest religious experience as a product for you to consume. And I'm never honest with you about how much of a mess I still am and how in need of Jesus I am. And I never challenge you or call out the idols that have a hold of your heart and my heart. And other than your money, we never ask for anything hard of you. And you leave feeling good about having done a church thing. And I leave feeling good about having built something big and attractive that manages my insecurity and massages my ego. And Citizens right now is as numerically large as she's ever been. And we desire to try and make space for even more people. We are grateful for everyone that the Lord is bringing here. I'm not disparaging that in the slightest, but that makes us vulnerable to something. It makes us vulnerable that our confidence would turn to our ability to do church and we would ignore how dependent we are on God to where if he were to leave, we wouldn't even notice his absence. I said this last year, but I can't shake the thought of it. There is a way to fail as a church by succeeding at what doesn't matter. 
Like maybe there's a kind of church failure where no one comes anymore and you have to turn the lights off and you have to shut the place down. But there is another kind of failure where you fail by succeeding at something that's just meaningless, where the place is full of people, but it's empty of God's presence and everyone is smiling, but no one is honest and people come to hide, but not to change. And we grow in numbers, but we don't grow in love. And we add chairs in the building, but we send no missionaries to the lost and we're content with shallow religion instead of being hungry for more and more and more of our beautiful God, Lord, protect us. I would rather fail chasing what matters than succeed at a version of church that looks nothing like heaven. So the prayer is and has been, Lord, we want you here. We're here for you. We'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. I'd rather be on the outskirts of where God is than right in the middle of where he can't be found. And I need you to hear me say it again, church. The best thing we have going on here as a church is not a program or an event, but the presence of the resurrected, exalted, vindicated King Jesus. And the greatest reality we could boast in as a church is not in our services or the people here or even the wonderful things done for the sake of the gospel. The greatest boast is that our names are written in heaven. And you know, the greatest day in Citizens Church history is the day that we stand with all of the saints before Jesus. He looks at us and says, well done. And we say back to him, you're worth it all and so much more. All glory and honor and power and praise be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Would you pray for your church that God would remain the center of Citizens Church, that he would keep us faithful? Would you do that? You could come tonight to our night of worship. We're going to do that tonight. Here's the second thing I want to ask. I asked which kind of church would you rather be a part of, and we all play a part in that. Would you just take time to consider where you are in all of this? Um, if, if I think about it, if I were to try to break it down a little bit, um, there are some of you who are faithful, <laughs> not perfect, but faithful, and you belong, and you serve, and you meet needs, and you're being changed, and you confess sin, and you comfort the afflicted, you're part of a group, you're involved in a class you're involved in mission, you come to our gathering, you'll be here tonight at our night of worship, you're part of this place. And you're part of this place because to some degree you wanna be a part of what Jesus is doing here. You wanna be a part of the colony of heaven that he's forming here. And that is so many of you. And you're probably right now thinking that's not me, but it is. So many of you, thank you and keep going. I, I just believe that there are so many more years ahead of us that are full of the goodness of God, the presence of Jesus at work among us. Thank you and keep going. Uh, and it may not always feel like this, but what you're doing and what we're doing here, it is the stuff of heaven. It's the work of the kingdom to learn our Bibles, to love one another, to take communion together, to be in community. It's ordinary. It doesn't necessarily feel like a huge splash every time, but it's heaven's soil. Others of you, you are more on the fringes. I love you, and I don't know all of the details that go into that, but but maybe what would describe you is that you are uh, here only sporadically, or maybe you only attend, but you haven't become more involved, and, and you wouldn't necessarily call this place home. 
That could be for a lot of reasons. I need you to hear this. Uh, maybe there are some of you where there are just circumstantial things about our church that make it hard for you to be more involved. Um, so maybe it's a program we don't offer that would really minister to you or your family. Maybe we're far from where you live. Maybe there's something about me you just don't like. Maybe there's something specific to citizens that makes, you, uh, that makes it difficult for you to be a part in a way that God would have you be a part of church. Hear me there might be another church that would be better for you. There might. I'm not asking, the worship's not gonna be as good, but there might be another place that'd be better for you. I'm not, I'm not asking you to leave, but I do want you to know as a, as a pastor, and this is the heart of our elders, our heart is not that you would belong to this church as much that you belong to the church. And if there is a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching colony of heaven somewhere else that you could be a part of in a deeper way there than you can here, God might be leading you to do that. Or maybe you're here, you're on the fringes, and God's just leading you to move closer here, to take steps towards belonging here, uh, becoming a member, serving. Let me, just, let me just ask this of us this morning, and I'll pray. Take a step of obedience. Jesus is worth it. He's good and kind. Take a step of obedience. Um, maybe that step of obedience is asking for help in some area of your life where you're scared to ask for help. The marriage is falling apart and maybe you've even been here for a long time and you feel embarrassment about people here knowing how bad the marriage is. Would you just trust God in this place? Take a step of obedience. Make those hurts and struggles and challenges and sin known to those around you, known to the leaders here. We wanna help. We wanna walk heaven's soil together as we trust Jesus to, to build back and repair things that might feel irreparable. Uh, maybe it's some sort of hidden sin in your life. And, and you come here, but you don't feel like you're connected here because what sin wants to do is it wants to separate and the enemy wants to use all of that hidden stuff to make you feel like you don't belong with the people of God. And the only way to step on his throat and to overcome what has a hold on you is to walk in the light as he is in the light to take steps towards transparency and vulnerability and confession. And you will find here, as I have found here, a gracious people who will walk any road that you need to walk. Maybe it's asking for God to heal something here. Maybe church is a scary place and all you can do right now is come and sit and leave and you're waiting for Jesus to heal parts of you that make church feel like a place that actually can be called home. And I just want you to hear me say, you're welcome here to do that. As long as you need to sit silently and build up the courage to believe that there can be a place that looks like Jesus and ministers to you like Jesus. Take a step of obedience. As citizens of heaven, we want to live lives worthy of the gospel. It has been true by God's grace. It will be true as we keep our eyes fixed on him. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your kindness to us. Um, Jesus, you are the hero. You're the head. This is all for you. To our beautiful Trinitarian God, 
Father, Son, and Spirit. This is all for you. Thank you for letting us be a part. Thank you that, that we uh, get to be a part of now a foretaste of glory divine, like the song says. Help us be faithful. Help us be faithful. Uh, Lord, the areas where uh, you would have us step into even greater health and faithfulness, Lord, give us the courage as a church. The areas, God, where we're blind and weak and negligent, Lord, would you show us that we might repent before you and walk in humility. Lord, to those in the room, I just pray, would we just take a step of obedience together this morning? Lord, some here have been uh, serving and showing up for so long and they just need to hear in a fresh way, it's worth it. That, that, they're, not, um, that they're not a soldier in your army, but they're a child in your home, loved by you, seen by you. Lord, would you, would, you, would you help us, God, resist the idols of our culture that could just mar this place so quickly, could disrupt something beautiful that you want to do here? For those who would say, I'm on the fringes, Lord, help them know what it looks like to move closer. Maybe that does mean another church. Maybe that means just a step today, God, of even asking for prayer. We just trust you at this time. We trust you at this time. And we look forward to the day, Jesus, seated around your table, where we get to recount stories in your presence of all that you did among us. Not because we deserve it, but because you're that kind. We love you. We worship you. We adore you. And we belong to you. Praise God. Amen.